Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Before I introduce you to my next incredible guest, Rob White, I just want to say thank you so much for referring me to so many incredible coaching clients, corporate and individual, as well as amazing speaking engagements. Man, the support coming out from you guys. Oh, I could just hug every one of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel truly blessed. As always, if you haven't subscribed to Let's Keep It Real, please do rate, like, share. I know you're going to want to share this one. But before I bring Rob White on, let me tell you just a little about him. He is an international best-selling author and intriguing philosopher. He is a remarkably discerning detective when it comes to solving the mystery of being a human being. From humble beginnings to his current status as a real estate developer, restaurateur, world traveler, international best-selling author, he has revolutionized his vast life experiences into sound, practical advice. A well-known columnist for the Huffington Post, Rob is a sought-after speaker, maestro, monologue. That's it, baby. Maestro monologue. You have to get this book. It's his fifth book. Please relax, enjoy. If you can kick your feet up, you're going to love this. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. All right, people, you must have asked for it. You wanted to see Rob White in person. I've been teasing you all week about him coming on. And finally, he is here. I'm so excited. The more I was reading about you, Rob, I was like, oh, my goodness, I wish I was in person to do this interview. But you're in Boston, not far away. It's like a six-hour train ride. Exactly. It's right around the corner. Right around the corner. All right. Well, we're going to start it out like I do every week in asking you if you could describe the past 30 days in one word, what would your word be and why, Rob? Uh, possibility. So the last 30 days has been a lot of thinking for me outside of the box. Uh, um, What I'm up to for the next two decades. So that's what it's been about for me. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The next two decades. That's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of contemplating. It's uh, well, so uh, I, I think we, we create our epics. Uh, in life, unconsciously or consciously. And this next two decades is my next epic. And so it's time for me to take a look at what I'm up to. Oh, well, I was reading up about you and it says here you're a philosopher. So I want to know, when you taught school, did you teach philosophy? I did not. I actually taught math, the opposite of philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, (laughs) it's either right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that would be tweet. I did so not how did you get into it? Well, uh, I've always been interested in Emerson. When I was in the eighth grade, I was introduced to Emerson and, and fell in love with him and read him and read him and read him. And 
eventually that's the way I started to think philosophically. Mm. Um, uh, very practical I am. Um, and uh, at the same time, my real joy in life is knowing what I value and knowing I make a difference and doing what feels satisfying. So, I mean, that's what life is really about. If you get to that, being anxious, being angry, being nervous, agitated, that stuff doesn't have a lot of room. Mm -mm. It's around. Yeah. It's around. You don't, being a, hu being a human being is being born moody, Sandy. Human beings okay. are moody. So, you know, cats aren't, well, I'm not going to say cats. They can tend to be moody. Animals as a rule aren't yeah. moody. Uh, human beings, so if you get that we are by nature moody, it's really important you pay attention to the conversations you talk to yourself about. Uh, and that's what my whole life has been about. When I was uh, young, I was a punk, uh, a wise guy, mm. um, because uh, I was born in a small mill town poor small mill town on the wrong side of the tracks in that poor small mill town. And I thought the way I, to, to get through life is, is to be clever and always uh, trying to get it over on someone and con them. Uh, and so I had a conversation, uh, don't get conned, con them. Now that conversation caused me a lot of problems. See, we, we live from our conversations if we knew that we're constantly talking to ourselves about ourselves in the world with others, like right now I'm talking to myself about myself in the world with you, intelligent, um, offering something of value, uh, incredible scoff. Uh, and, and so I'm relating to you. There's me and you in the world with others. And that's what we're sharing a conversation about life, about my life uh, with others. Why? So that they might look at their life from the perspective of my life, because there's only one of us in the room, ultimately. Hmm. Being a human being is, is, uh, is uh, one being in myriad forms. So, you know, what we're looking at is there is no I solid. There's ways of being, the way I'm being. And the way I'm being is me in that moment. That's my experience of me. You see, there's no such thing as generosity, equality sitting inside of me. There's when I'm out in the world generating action that is generous. Uh, I am experiencing generosity. My way of being is being generous. When I'm not, it's not there. So this is a this is a strange conversation, but anyone can relate to it. Yeah. Because yeah. So that's why, you know, we, I went deep and heavy quickly. Let's get uh, uh, shallow and, and, and clean it. You know, any questions you have about <laughs> that? No, I was enjoying it. And my audience is going to really love that. I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, he's a philosopher and a poet at the same time. <laughs> he really is. Because what you said, it wasn't above my head. Do you know what I mean? I could actually process what you were saying and apply it to my life. But I do want to back up there because I want to find out when you were saying you thought, which I get, you know, con, I call it street smarts. I grew up in the hood too. So I get it. But when did you make that shift? When did you realize, okay, I don't know where this is going to get me in life. And I, I might want to change things up. Well, I was in high school freshman year and, and I was um, a wise guy. And I made a wise remark to the principal in the, in the cafeteria. 
not good. No, we're not. And, and no. So he called me in his office and he said something. He introduced me to a conversation I didn't know was available. He said to me, you know, Bobby, that's what they call me back then. You're an intelligent kid and uh, I can see you're going to win at life. But what I see is you're going to win at losing. You're getting real good at it. You got the mm -hmm. attitude. You got the personality. You're going to be a real winner. Uh, unfortunately, you're going to win at losing. Now, you could win at winning, uh, but that's going to require a shift in attitude, a shift in who you're going to be. I didn't even know that was a, an option. I didn't even know I was trying to win at losing. He introduced me to a fact. I was certainly on my way to winning at losing. People who lose big in life, they win in life. They win at losing. That's how powerful we are. Mm -hmm. We always win at that which we set our mind to. Now, I didn't say I want to lose, but in the same time, I had the attitude and the mood and the personality that pointed to nothing but trouble and trouble leads to losing. Yeah. I've never heard it that way. I never thought about it. So what did you think when you went away from that conversation? Did you think he was crazy at first or did you like go, whoa? Well, I was fortunate enough to, he reached over and touched my shoulder and he said, just be with the conversation. Don't, don't argue with me in your head. <laughs> and I, I yeah, yeah, exactly. And I walked away and he, when he told me to go sit, I want you to just sit in the, in the office for an hour before you go back to your class, just be with the conversation. Yeah. Well, it, I thought about it and I realized he was up to something with what he was introducing me to. Mm. See, when I was born, see, human beings are born the maestro, fully capable of conducting their affairs like a maestro conducts a, a wonderful symphony orchestra. Our affairs are a symphony orchestra. But by age two, the terrible twos, when the no's come rolling in, we then take on a false identity. Uh, I call it the intruder. The unwanted mental house guest shows up. The one that has me think, there's got to be something wrong with me. I mean, every time I do something, mom or dad's screaming, no. Well, unfortunately, that conversation has got to be something wrong with me. Some people carry that through their whole life, dealing with life from there's something wrong with me. Well, I learned how to deal with there's something wrong with me by trying to be a con artist and, and clever yeah. and get around it. The principal said in his own way, Bobby, there's nothing wrong with you. You're an intelligent, br bright, ambitious young man, and you got your mind pointed in the wrong direction. And guess what? You're so powerful. You're going to win it, win it going in the wrong direction. Now, he didn't say it that way, but yeah. I got it. So from there, I started actually uh, studying and reading. And then, I, I, and then my English teacher introduced us to Emerson, and before that conversation, I would have, well, follow Emerson. Uh, I would have, uh, I, what is this book? Are there yeah. any, pick, you know, what is this supposed to be? And, and scoffed at it, but I decided to read it and I allowed his, see, all we are is an expression of conversations. Whatever it is you're talking to yourself about yourself all day long, consciously or unconsciously, you're expressing. And when folks are anxious, this is very interesting, Sandy. If someone comes to me and says, I feel anxious, I tell them, I feel anxious is an occurrence in conversation. You see, a squirrel doesn't feel anxious because it doesn't have the capacity to say, I feel anxious. 
<laughs> anxious only exists in conversation. A small child doesn't have the conversation anxious and doesn't feel anxious. Your whole life consists of that of which you speak to yourself about. I started thinking differently and speaking to myself differently. All right. So there's so much to unpack there, but let's back up with just people coming up to you and saying they feel anxious or they have anxiety. Cause yes. we were talking about, I'm speaking at a school later and I get hit all the time with that. So you're talking about being aware of the conversations you have in your head. All right. And knowing, you know, that, all right, they're not all happy, pippy, skippy about yourself. So what then, once you are aware of those conversations, what do you do next? Well, this is going to knock you for a loop. When you someone, <laughs> when someone comes to me and says, I, I feel anxious, and I'll say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, where are you? Right now, I'm a seven. And I say, okay, I want you to bring it up to a 10. What? No, I want to tell you. So what can you do to get more anxious? Why would I want to do that? Just do me a favor. So why are you anxious now? Okay, because A, B, and C. Okay, bring it up. What else could make you more anxious? Well, if D, E, and F happen, oh, my God. And then I say this, Sandy. I go, I sniff. I go, did you fart? <laughs> oh, God. And they say, what? Oh, my And then, God. now, listen, I want you to get something here. And I'm listening. In that instant, they don't feel anxious. They forgot anxious. They completely forgot I am anxious because they're now they're caught in a conversation. No, I didn't. What are you talking about? But there's no, I am anxious. What I have demonstrated is you decide how anxious you are with the conversations you have with yourself and you decide when to stop feeling anxious by, by simply it's intervening. Have another, con- let me show you what I do. Okay. I tend to get angry. So I don't get anxious. I get angry. Uh, Not at all like I used to, but I can still get angry. Yeah. When I get angry, I say, oh, wait a minute. That's that unwanted mental house guest that showed up at age two with the the howling nose. I say, I see you there. You're good. Oh, you're very good. You got right ahead of of my, my mind and my mood and my attitude. You got me all worked up. I actually talk to that other self that has me angry like it's not me. And then I own it. By owning it, I actually deliberately by myself in my head get angrier, knowing that I can stop it anytime I want to because it's not me. It's a conversation. I am, you know, when people say I am angry, that's you're not, that's not you. That's a conversation. I am angry. Who you are is a possibility for infinite possibilities. Your myriad ways of being. And you're choosing right now the way of being called angry. But you're not angry. That's a way of being your being. You yourself, the essence of you is a clearing from. See, this is getting really crazy, but so sane. No, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this is easy when you say this is easy. This conversation we're having now is easy when you say this is easy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you say, oh, this is crazy, difficult, the conversation That's how it shows up for you. Yeah. I was just having this conversation with my 18 year old son and you know, I'm mom. So he's like, you teach that to others, but Hey, you're my mom. I said, I get it. I get it. But he said, mom, it's not that easy. And I said the same thing because that's how you believe it. And and I'm not saying today, instantly, you're going to have no social anxiety, 
But those little conversations you have over time will make an impact. So I want to go right into some of the questions I have for you before you came on. My listeners had questions and there were so many, but I want to get to the, the top ones. And the biggest thing is, which I would, I can't wait for you to answer this. Please ask Mr. White how long it will take. <laughs> Funny one. I tell my brain, no, not today, brain, but it keeps coming back. 10 days, 20 days, 30 days. I was cracking up so hard, but I want you to answer that. How long does it take for what? <laughs> what was that for? How long does it take? How long will it take that he won't feel this gentleman? We'll call him Billy Bob. Not to be anxious. Okay. So the answer to how long will it take is it'll take as long as it takes. And I guarantee you I'm a prophet. It's going to take (laughs) as long as it takes. Now, the other thing I want you to get, though, is you can decide whether it's going to take a long time or a short time. And how you decide is own it, own it, own it. And when you're being anxious, get right into it. But know that you're, you're the cause in the matter. Know that. And when you own it, and just let it be, it'll let you be. Just be with, oh, look at me being angry. Oh, I'm getting good at being angry. Look at me anxious. I've got a thousand reasons. By the way, if you had no reasons for being anxious, you wouldn't be anxious. Tell your dog you're anxious and all the reasons, and he'll still lick your face. He's not <laughs> buying, he doesn't buy your reasons. So it takes as long as it takes. There is no formula. And yet you are the formula. One thing I want everyone to get is... Being a human being is being anxious Mm. and being a human being is being peaceful and loving and kind and generous and happy. And you're never going to escape being anxious sometimes, but you don't have to be with being anxious all the time. As a matter of fact, you don't have to be with being anxious much at all. If you're willing to be with it when you, when you, when you are that, no, this is a way of being and choose it. That sounds Don't smother over it. Don't deny it. Don't resist it. Don't punch at it. Don't fight with it. Just be it. Just experience what it's like. And in the experience of it, this is bizarre. It will disappear. The only reason anxiety, anger, strife, any of those emotions stick around is you resist them. You push against them. You deny them. You try to, you try to change them. Don't be with it completely. Knowing, see, what we're afraid of is if I surrender to it, it will overwhelm me. Yes, yes. It won't. I am anxious. Where do I feel it? First thing you want to ask. Some people say, what do you mean? In your stomach, in your throat, in your head? Where do you feel anxious? You have to feel it somewhere. No, you see, I, and now they say, oh, I feel it in my throat. It tightens up. How tight from uh, one to 10? Well, it's tightening up to like a six. Okay. Well, where else do you feel it? Well, a little bit in my stomach. By the time they've described to me where they feel it, they've had the experience of it and they experience it out of existence. It disappears. All of a sudden, she said to me, well, I can't tell you anymore because I don't feel anxious anymore. Mm. Believe it or not, if you're willing to experience the experience and notice where you're having it in your body, because you got to have it in your body to have the experience and truly look at it, it disappears it. Yeah. Next time someone says to you, I'm tired. See, where do you feel that in your body? How intense from one to 10? What color is it? And by the time you ask them four or five questions, you know what they're going to say to you? I don't know why, but I'm not tired anymore. (laughs) Try that. Yeah. By the way, I love, I love what you said about, to you about your son, too. Yeah, 
your son is asking good questions because yeah. you know what being a human being is having bad experiences and don't let any of these fairy tale books out there claim you can get to a place of wonder where there's only peace beyond understanding it's not on planet earth we agree <laughs> we agreed to polarity on planet earth now the deal is you get to choose how much of the positive polarity you plan to live with but there's got to be some down if there, or you won't experience up how am i going to experience tall six foot five if someone's not small five foot five if everybody's six foot five there's no tall you got to have polarity. So if you just don't resist the negativity, be willing to just be with it and not resist it and get angry and ask yourself, where is this in my body? And this inquiry and curiosity will wane the negativity, what, no matter what it is. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So I want to go right to the next question because this young lady emailed me so many times. She said she had read your new book and we're going to talk about that more, but she, she said, if, if Rob knew my brain, he would understand that my brain just takes over and I can't control it. I don't know so, if you ever hear that, like that my brain is different and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I don't know about that, but maybe. So no one's brain just takes over. Yes, your brain has a lot to do with every moment of your existence. Yeah. And at the same time, you have something called separate from that called your mind, because your mind is not your brain. And your mind is your consciousness of your brain. And the fact that she says it takes over is what gives it more power to take over. The first thing she has to get is she has the power to intervene. She has the power to say to her brain when it's taking over and making her think something she doesn't want to think. She has, she has the power to say, well, that's just not true. That's not the only option here. I can think something else. She can, she can have a conversation that's different than what the brain's offering her. Mm. You know, it, 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 when we really get, other than being human beings are unique because we are myriad ways of being there is no specific way of being anyone is and the way we are is absolutely coordinated with the conversations we have with ourselves and if you let your brain take over i am not insulting her she's gotten lazy minded don't get lazy minded uh you know I and i that. say that with great love for her yeah yeah when I, so I lived with a Maasai tribe for six weeks. They don't know how to lie. Maasai don't know how to lie. Oh, they, that I must have been interesting. Uh, integrity, they do what they say. They never waver. And, and, and there's, a, there's a sense of, of transparency. And they know when they're angry and they will say to you, if you say something that angered them, I feel angry not right now. I have to talk to myself for a moment. I'll be right back. And they shut their eyes and talk to themselves and they come back and they're not angry. They have. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I had a translator. I didn't know if they wouldn't say it. They were not saying that in English. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So when you say you got to, you, you're ugly. You see, I have to deal with that for a moment. I've got to talk to myself. I'll be right back. They don't leave the room. They shut their eyes. And they come back and they say, well, that's curious. What is it about me you find ugly? Well, that takes care of ugly. There's no ugly left. 
how, how beautiful. See, here's something else. Ugly doesn't exist for them. Only in America and in, 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 in cultures of our nature does ugly doesn't exist. Ugly is a conversation we have in our head. You know, you go out in the forest, you see a big, beautiful pine tree, and then you see a scaggly one. You don't punch the scaggly one. It's, Look how ugly you are. What's wrong with you? Well, we do it to each other, but in the mass, I don't see anything as ugly. They don't see anything as inferior. These are conversations we have with ourselves about ourselves that have us feeling upset, um, insecure, inadequate, unworthy. Or in that gal's case, she thinks her brain has taken over. Yeah, she, yeah. That's not, here's what I would say to her. Don't let it. Just start talking to yourself beyond what your brain is offering you to talk about. You think you have to listen to what your brain has to say. You don't have to listen. Intervene. If my brain says something I don't like, like today it's raining and I think, oh God, it's raining. And then I say to myself, now why did you say that? What's wrong with rain? What did rain ever do to you? See, I have a conversation with myself. Why don't you just go outside and take a walk with the umbrella? Uh, see, I don't let my brain take, oh, it's raining and it's April, it's cold. I mean, why April is supposed to be warm? No, I stop it. I, yeah, so, I, so her brain is the intruder, the, other, the unwanted mental house okay. guest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have to know, how did you get that wonderful opportunity to hang with them for six weeks? How incredible. I got it because I gave it to myself because I got caught up in, I made a lot of money, tens of millions of dollars, lots of money. You wouldn't know it, or you would if I owned some beautiful homes, but talking to me, I'm a, <laughs> a normal Joe. But what happened is I was egocentric and shallow and it was all about me. And I had a fancy, fancy restaurant. And once a friend of mine taught elementary school, she brought her class to the restaurant. And I showed them the restaurant. I was dressed in my best. And they were only five, seven and eight. And here I am trying to impress them. Here I am, 50, trying to impress. What is yeah. that? Well, here's what happened. So after I impressed them with my fancy restaurant, we all sat at the table and they were having cookies and milk. And, uh, oh, they, and they were asking me questions. And, and so, you know, they were talking. And I said, anybody have any questions? I thought they wanted to ask me a question about how I was, how did you get all this together? Yeah. And, and, and Margaret, a little girl in a red dress over there, she raised her hand and I saw her little name tag. Yes, Margaret. And she stood up and she flared her dress out and she said, do you, do you like my new red dress? And in that moment I got, oh my God, look at me over here. She has every right. She bought a new dress. Mommy got her that for this field trip. And I'm over here, narrow-minded, egocentric insanity. That's first of all, she was uh, one of uh, an un, uh, she was a guru to me, uh, just yeah. an everyday, ordinary, unassuming guru showed up in my life to point yeah. to me. There's more to life than you and your fancy restaurant. Do you like my new red dress? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. Bless her. Bless her. And from that, I said, you know what? I got to get out of here. So I from there, I went and, and booked the trip six weeks with the Maasai best. I beautiful, beautiful, incredible. I don't mean lounging around drinking pina coladas. No, I, I mean, know, I know. Yeah, I, I, it sounds amazing, amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful people. So they don't know how to lie. They don't know how to lie. Imagine that, because their life depends on telling the truth, and they're told that when they're two. You know, I was thinking about how you said there is no ugly to them, and somebody just asked this question 
one of our friends, this is the difficult one, so I want to hear a point of view. We hadn't seen in two and a half years because of COVID stuff, had gained about 40 pounds. And I saw her um, say, hey, how you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. You look great. And my friend afterwards goes, you lied. I go, what do you mean? She does look great. And she's like, she's gained 40 pounds. She doesn't look great. You shouldn't do that. And I thought to myself, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just so happy to see her. Yeah. So for me, it really wasn't a lot. I mean, she did. She looked healthy. She had some health issues before. But I get what she's saying. So if you are someone, most of us are, who do see how people are dressed or they've gained weight, and they say, how do I look? Should you tell them the truth of what you're thinking? Because some people aren't thinking such kind things in there. So first of all, let's deal with uh, fat. So a, an orangutan is fat, and you can tell him he's fat, and he doesn't care he's fat. Because in the orangutan world, fat isn't, isn't ugly. It's not beautiful. It's not ugly. Fat is fat. Now, in, in the human world, fat should just be fat. And I'm using that word because that's as direct as you can get. It's yeah. not good. It's not bad. It's, it's unhealthy for you. But if you don't mind being unhealthy, it's not ugly. Fat is, it, ugly comes out of our mouths as a conversation. Matter of fact, there are times in the past when big women were considered very sexy. So yeah. fat doesn't exist. Ugly doesn't exist as it's, it, it doesn't exist. It's a, a man-made, uh, a man-made project. It doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Now in the, now in the world, fat doesn't exist as bad unless you want to be healthy. If you don't want to be healthy, fat isn't bad. See, bad and good don't exist. Yeah. If bad existed, then the tsunami that ruins the island and kills all the villages, that was bad. The tsunami out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, it does nothing. We don't think that's bad because it isn't bad. Tsunami, nothing is bad. Nothing is good. Nothing is ugly. Nothing is beautiful. Everything is what it is when it is it. And it is a, this is a lot of good stuff and it's hard to absorb. But when I see someone who says to me, how do you like my, uh, how do I look and twirl around? Yeah. I Magnificent. I don't care if I, because I love their energy. I love their attitude. I yeah. love the way they ask me. So if you say, and I say magnificent, you say, why did you say that? Because that's what I, that's what I experienced. Just her whole beingness, everything about it. Well, I mean that, uh, you know, that dress was uh, too, uh, too tight on her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about that. She's magnificent. I don't care. See you when she's 50 pounds overweight. I, in the moment felt she just looked wonderful. So I said, you look wonderful. And yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's the truth for me. You're hiding it. She, she shouldn't. Now, if she said to me, do you think I should lose some weight? I would say, would you like to feel healthy and be able to do stuff you can't do? Yeah. Then I think you should. Do you want to live longer? Yeah. I think you should. But if you don't care about that stuff, then don't lose weight. I mean, people don't. My yeah. father, my father used to smoke cigarettes like a crazy man, three packs a day. And then he's three packs. Uh, and then his granddaughter, when he was 60, said to him, uh, Grandpa, you're going to, you crying, came home. You're going to die from cigarettes, cancer, and you won't be able to uh, go to my high school graduation. In that moment, he had a reason for quitting. 
He never mm-hmm. smoked another cigarette. He did. He took the ones out of his pocket. I always had a shirt pocket. Threw them away. He didn't have to use willpower. Didn't have to put on a patch. He lived to 93. Never smoked another cigarette. See? What's your reason? If you've got a good reason. So, yes, there is no. I think you're beautiful. I, I, I mean that. You know why? I love your attitude. I love your. I'm talking about you now. Your curiosity. Your nice smile. I mean, that's what life is. That's beauty. Yeah. I know you are beautiful, but that's, that's I'm talking about something more beautiful than uh, physical beauty. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you are. So that's my life is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I get the whole Putin and Ukraine is awful. Of course it's awful. I'm not denying it. Mm. And life is beautiful. And Putin, what he's doing is outrageous. And life is beautiful. Yeah. You know how you get uh, depressed and anxious and, and nervous? Get stuck on what Putin's doing. Decide he's going to end up coming over here and getting us or whatever you take it. Don't forget what he's doing is awful, awful, awful. And life is beautiful. Don't forget that. Yes, life is. And I saw, you know yeah. what's amazing? Over there in Ukraine, I saw a little child uh, and it's all around him, devastation. And that little child still saw the beauty in life. He was sticking his hand out and smiling at mommy. And I thought, see, see that, that, that there, there it is. Even in that devastation, that little innocent child sees the beauty. And thank God he's there seeing the beauty. Someone's got to help see the beauty if you're going to bring the beauty back. So anyways, that's, uh, I don't know where I went with that, but that's right. No, I love it. No, you're right. And you answered all my questions. I had two more coming up, but the first one is I was being honest because I thought she looked amazing. So to yeah. me, that was honesty. Secondly, if someone directly asked, well, do you think I should lose weight? Why do you want to lose the weight? You know, yeah. if you want to be, yeah, there's, there's a difference. And the third, which is a big one, because people constantly say to me, Weston, what world are you living in? Why are you so joyful? How can you be so joyful when this is happening? You know, it, it just happened to me yesterday. It was a celebration of life and someone had passed away at, at 89. And I'm not saying you won't miss a person, but I was walking out of the church with a big smile on my face because I was thinking of how he made me laugh. And my girlfriend's like, why are you laughing? And I was like, oh, I was telling myself all the stories of how he touched my life. And she's like, oh, Sandy, come on. And I'm like, well, yeah, not that I won't miss him. But I'm thinking of all the stories of how he touched my life. And I don't know. She's like, it's not appropriate right now. And, and maybe it wasn't. But that's what I was thinking when I was walking out of the church. You see that? And the word appropriate, too. That's <clears throat> what's appropriate is what you do that feels natural. Yeah. It is appropriate if it feels natural. Yeah. And by the way, I'll tell you something I'm going to do. Uh, I plan to live to 99. At 97, I'm having having my funeral, and I'm going to attend it. Yeah, I mean it. I'm I, having- I, I like that idea. Can I steal that idea? I like yeah. that one. I'm going to have my funeral while I'm alive so I can attend it and see what everyone has to say about me. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm not being I'm not being. I know serious. you are. I know you've already set the intention at 97, you're going to have a funeral, a party. Yeah. And then you're done. And then you'll go when you're 99. Yeah. Yeah. And 99, my grandfather at 99 was cooking fried eggs. And he said to my mother, who was Annie, uh, you know, uh, Annie, 
uh, fried eggs don't, you don't die of cholesterol from fried eggs. He was 99, never got sick in a day in his life, hated the doctors, never was in a hospital. Uh, and uh, he didn't put the spatula down and said, Annie, I love you, and fell right down on the kitchen floor, dead as a doornail. That's how I'm going, just like that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. I'm going to be off in the middle of a rant on something, and then I'm just going to put the spatula down and, 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 and exit. Uh, Peace out. <laughs> I get it. Oh, my God. We could have so many conversations and other podcasts. But let's circle back a little bit because this was another big question. And they're going to kick my butt if I don't get a few of these in. So one dad said, I understand about the no. And at the age of two, you start training their kids to hear no. What would you suggest parents do? How could they change that dialogue? I got that a lot from different parents. And now here's the kicker. Being a human being, you agreed to show up and have to go through the nose. You can't. You can't avoid the nose. If the, if the child picks up a knife, you got to scream, no, 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 of course you do. I mean, you can't try to be nice. I love you. Aren't you a wonderful kid? As he pokes himself in the eye with the knife. You can't no. avoid the nose. Now, the harsh nose, you can. And those destroy people. But everyone hears 60,000 no's, according to child psychologists, between age two and five. And by age five, there's an other self, the unwanted mental house guest who, who absolutely believes you are flawed. And it's been, by the way, you never get rid of that self. There is no final uh, finale where you get him out of your life. The difference is you learn how to handle them. Everyone... Yeah. Everyone, you know, when he, I see it now with, um, I can't think of his name now. Oh, he's just going to play golf and he had a bad accident. Why is his name escaping me? And I don't know. We'll put it, it in. It doesn't matter. Uh, you don't even have to put it in. But he's got this wrestling match going on. Can he get back into, onto the, get back out there and play or, or is his career over? And the wrestling match is between the maestro the naturally ambitious him who's ready to get right back out there and that unwanted mental house guest who will not stop reminding him that he's flawed and see now he got caught up with you. You know, you're all caught up in it, aren't you? You got caught. Yep. That's exactly, there's two of us. And you, we agreed as human beings to live as two beings as the maestro, very capable of conducting my daily affairs and orchestrating my destiny as I want it to be. And then is the other self, the flawed being who always is feeling like a victim. And that's, and during COVID, oh boy, has that other self shown up in so many of us. COVID, that evil, awful, awful thing, and like it's getting us, yeah. So that's it. By the way, the reason children are so important, always, 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 they're always optimistic and happy and delightful and loving life, and with all of us old geezers getting ourselves all grumpy and stuff, we need a balancing act. Thank God the children are here yeah. to balance. That energy's out there. We need someone putting out the good stuff, right? Yeah. Nothing like a toddler running up to grandma's uh, lap when she's uh, all grumpy. I say, send uh, in Sally first. Uh, come see uh, and then we'll, we'll come in. Because how can uh, you be grumpy? You know what I mean? With Sally uh, on your lap. That's funny. Hey. <laughs> I, I have a I have a, a parrot Shakespeare of uh, thirty uh, eight years. Okay, 
So Shakespeare, I got him 38 years ago, and I take him for a walk on my shoulder out here in Boston and in California. I have home out there. And kids love him. My yeah. favorite story, a little kid. What's his name? Shakespeare. Hi, Shakespeare. And she said, can he talk? So I said, let's see if he can talk. So I had taught him to say this. I can talk. Can you fly? So I oh, knew gosh. he'd... Yeah. So I taught him to say that. So I get down on my knees so she can be eye to eye with him. And I said, go ahead, ask him. So she said, Yakespeare, can you talk? And he said, I can talk. Can you fly? And here's what she did. She looked at him. She looked up at her mother. She looked over at me and she leaned in and said, I can fly. Don't tell my mother. <laughs> oh, that's as good as it gets right there. That's, that's the best. That's as good as it gets right there. <laughs> oh, of course you changed. <laughs> of course you did. You, you trained him to say that, Shakespeare. All right. Well, we're going to have to stop some of the questions because I think I'll get in big trouble if we don't talk about your new book that came out September, which well, is the Maestro Monologue. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. So... Oh, no, I have to. I have to back up a little bit. Okay, we'll get to it. I promise. How did you switch from teacher to entrepreneur, restaurateur, realtor? How, well, that's a huge switch. Yeah, seventeen years of teaching, um, loving it, but always having a yearning to be uh, an entrepreneur, businessman, rich, travel the world. Because I came from a small mill town, I wanted the opposite. Yeah. <clears throat> well. After 17 years, Debbie came to me, one of my students, and she said, I want to go uh, to an elite private school, Milton Academy, but I don't think I'm going to get in. And I said, why not? She said, well, my grades aren't that good. I said, uh, you know, you're intelligent enough, uh, but you, you, the way you behave is to, not to get in. You don't behave like I'm going to get in. You get, behave like I'm not going to get in. Everything you do, you smoke your cigarettes with your friends out there before the bus during library time, you go down to the gym and gossip. I said, nothing's, I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but that's not getting in. You're going to have to, who would, who would you have to be to get in? I mean, you'd have to study, uh, take mm -hmm. life more seriously, pay attention, be polite. Well, I didn't know she was listening to me, but I did. The rest of that year, she changed, she transformed. The next year, I said, where's Debbie? Oh, she's at Milton Academy. And I realized she took me seriously. I don't take me seriously. I, I what is she crazy? Why would you take me seriously? <laughs> so the the result was uh, I started realizing I had to if I was going to be who I choose to be, I'm going to have to do what I want to do, and that means I have to quit teaching. I went into the principal and I told him, "Listen, I, I'm going to." My parents, my friends, my teaching colleagues, the principal all said, "Oh, you're having a midlife crisis. Don't be crazy." Yeah. Settle down. Take a take a month off. Think about. I left. I left like she left. And I and here's what's amazing, Sandy. When you truly have faith in yourself, uh, I walked down the street and I said, "Now, how am I going to do this?" And I saw a brand new book right on the ground, South Huntington Avenue, Boston. I picked it up, turned it over, read it, and it said, "How to Get Rich in Real Estate" by Robert Kent. I said, "Oh, that's it. I'll do it that way." And that started my journey. That's it. That's what I'll do. Oh, God. That's, and, 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 and so 
it see when when first of all having faith means faith in yourself let's leave god out of this yeah. <clears throat> you got to trust that you really do know what you're up to if you trust yourself and you do every one of us does you know and then when i after two decades of making tens of millions of real estate i realized i hung out in restaurants all the time so i should have a restaurant why wouldn't i i ended up why not? With, i ended up with three of the most incredible restaurants right here in the city of boston and I didn't know anything about restaurants, but I knew that I knew enough about restaurants because I go in them all the time that I can attract the right and perfect people to fill in the gaps. Mm. So I filled in the gaps. So you see, if you were to ask Bill Gates how he got from where, quitting at Harvard after two years to where he is now, he will tell you it was truly really just faith in himself because no one thought he was, everybody thought he was being a foolish young man. Yeah. But he always trusted himself. And if you ask him specifically, what did you do? He doesn't know. I don't know. Successful people can only look in hindsight and see what they did. The yeah. doing shows up spontaneously. Mm. And the coincidences just show up. You just got to be ready for them, ready to receive them. Yeah. 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 I truly believe that. They're always there. And it just depends where you are in your journey, if you're ready. And if your eyes are wide open, boom, then you go for it. And sometimes you're just not ready. That's all. They're still there. You're yeah. just not ready. Yeah. But I absolutely, because I get asked that all the time. We need to know what spark, what moment did you finally start believing in yourself? You know, like, where's that secret sauce? But it's like you said, and, you know, there isn't a secret sauce. You know, no. there, there isn't. It's it's just a declaration. I believe yeah. in myself. Yeah. I mean, it's really a declaration. How, when will I believe in myself? When you're willing to say, I believe in myself and yeah. be with it. And even if you hear next, why would you believe in yourself? You're a loser. Be, be with, I believe in myself. And I just heard myself, the other self. Who's the self that calls you a loser? The other self that you're not. You gave birth to that other self at age two when the nose came flying in. That other self didn't exist until the nose came and you gave it birth. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, first, it's a great conversation, uh, this conversation, and yeah. mostly because of the energy. It's an inquiring energy we're having right now filled with possibility. Everyone, the way you become a possibility is to declare yourself a possibility. I look in the mirror every day after I... I look in the mirror, let me, I said two sentences, I'm going to say one. I started saying to myself, oh, 40 years ago, when I brushed my teeth, I look at the mirror and I say, I see you. You're a possibility, aren't you? I still do. <clears throat> I look at the I mirror, that. point to myself, I say, I see you. You're a possibility, aren't you? To remind myself constantly, because the other self is still available to tell me that uh, I'm yeah. flawed. Uh, and so it's what you say to yourself about yourself that matters completely and how your life unfolds. Your life is a mirror ever reflecting back what you're projecting outwardly. Your life is a mirror ever reflecting back what you're projecting outwardly. Absolutely. If, Absolutely. I'm, if I got a lousy life, I'm reflecting a lousy me. I'm projecting a lousy me. Mm. What can I do about it? Well, I have a conversation myself. I mean, why would you want to do that? I call myself Bobby because that's a uh, Bobby. Well, why would you want to? I went to a party hell bent on proving uh, the party was a bad party. 
Uh, and then I got there and everybody was having a good time. So I, uh, this is years ago. So I decided they were all wrong. It's still a bad party. Because uh, the person who was having the party was someone I didn't like. Well, eventually, uh, they had a dog, and the dog got my attention, and I started playing with the dog and threw the ball in the water, and he came back. And, and, and then I saw myself having fun, and I thought, you know what? This isn't a bad party. It's not bad. And by the time I left, I was raving about, what a great party. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, who did that? I did that with my – I started with a conversation, and I changed my mind and had a new one. And then I, I went up to the guy I didn't like that had the party and told him, look, I'm really sorry. I've been a jerk for the last couple of years. What a great party. And you must be a great person or put on such a great party. And I meant it. And he's still my friend, a good friend now. Like wow. That. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I love that. All right. Tell us about your book, Maestro Monologue. It just came out in September. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot in it. What? sparked you to write this fifth book. This is your fifth one. Thank you. Uh, it's this. I was back to write it because there are a lot of folks out there who don't get that they have a wrestling match always with the authentic self, which I call the maestro, the very capable being. And then the other self, which is your false identity. It's not true about you, but you believe it's true. And so I, when I saw how through my whole life, I was having this wrestling match, I began to come up with ways of handling the other self when the other self shows up. Mm -hmm. For example, by stopping and addressing it, like I just said to you and saying, oh, I see you. Oh, you're good. So immediately acknowledging there is this other self, this assumptive identity. So my whole book is sharing that because the only reason I got from leaving a small mill town and, and having a wonderful life and, and, and with a lot of riches beyond financial, that's the least of the, and when it comes to riches, was because I finally caught on, there were two of me, and I was not willing to give my life over to that other self. It would have had me surviving and whatever I would, I don't know what it had me, it's still around. I'm not yeah. saying it's not, but it would have had me teaching my whole life or even never getting out of Athol and working in the mill town my whole life, working in the mill. So that's the whole point of the book. Uh, it's a wonderfully easy read. It's fun, like you and me. And that's, <laughs> and that, and that's all that, you know, I don't even have anything more to say about it. My takeaway for today is you're, you're a beautiful host. You really are. You see, I can speak in when you are listening, you allow others to speak freely. And you're a listening. You listen inquiringly. I can Mm -hmm. see it in your expressions. I can hear your silence. That's a gift. So I shared it with you. My greatest gift is that you allowed me to just speak who I am. And I say to everyone, my book stands for who I am. Thank you. I love that. I was going to just say to you, we're going to wrap it up here. Do you have anything you want to get in in the last minute? But I want to end on that one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I I appreciate that about the listening because, I mean, I could talk forever and I could talk to a tree. That's, but I think my true gift is just being present and inquisitive and loving people's stories and journeys without judgment. My, my son always teases me, even if I go in the coffee house, mom, we're in a hurry. Don't even say hello. Just go coffee because people start telling me their stories. And I'm like, he goes, just say, 
two cappuccinos, please, and leave. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And I get it because I just think I just love hearing people's stories. I want to hear their journey. I want to hear everything about it. And I'm not, it's with no judgment. I find humans fascinating. I find them fat and people can tell. So I appreciate that. All right. So I guess we're not going to hear yet what you're going to do in the next two decades because you're contemplating it. Yes. What I have, I, I, I intend to be a philosopher, a poet, and an author. Uh, I love being, see, by the way, that's a declaration. I, I, I have declared myself a, 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 an author, a poet, and a philosopher. Mm-hmm. See, it's all declarations. I'm not waiting for something to show up to tell me I'm that. Uh, and, and I intend to, and that's, and I love the feeling I have when I am being that way. So I am intending to be that way a lot. And that's about it. See how simple, there's nothing complicated about it. Yeah. More life. It's not me. That's not my life is simple. Mine, someone says, but mine's complicated. You know what gives a complicated life? A complicated mind. Ease up, let it go. Yeah. And I do think that is one of the big issues with some people because what did I put out in the world? It's very, it's very simple. It's very basic. I do study, I research a lot, but then it's simplified. And I think sometimes people overcomplicate it because they're like, wait a minute, it can't be that easy. There's got to be something that only a few people can get and do. And I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) that's not true. It's not true. All right. Tell us before we go, Rob White, how can they find you? Where can they get your book? How can they book you? We, we, we need to know everything. Well, you can find me on Rob, uh, robwhitemedia.com. That's my website. My book is in Amazon and Barnes and Noble, where all good books are sold. And you can uh, also get me at uh, robwhite180 at gmail.com if you have any specific reasons you want to get in touch with me. Tiger Wood. Thank you. Thank you. My oh, friend. God. You would have been up all night. Call me. I would have been up all night. I had to get that out. (laughs) I I get it. All right. Let's keep it real, people. I think you're going to say Rob kept it real. So you're going to want to rate it, share it, like it. It means the world to me and I'll need the world to Rob. And you know what I'm going to say until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.